What's going on, everybody? Episode 78 of the Patio Slave podcast coming at you right now. It's Anthony, your co-host with Nate and Tony. Nate and Tony, what's going on, folks? Yo, what's up, man? Yo, 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 back on the West Coast, but missing you guys dearly. Yeah, so Nate, you were uh, on the East Coast last week. We did not record. We dropped Phil from Taproot round two, but uh, we saw you. We chatted, right? Yeah, it was awesome. I basically had a Phil reminiscent story of uh, kind of a uh, equipment malfunction or <laughs> lost in transit type situation. So yeah, no, that was awesome, man. Hanging out with you guys, nerding out, watching you guys try to uh, figure out a way to record with different scenarios, different you know variations of microphones, an old one from the 1970s that I dug up from my camp, one that I bought on the spot. But going to the show with you guys was probably the best part because that was the epitome of nerdery was actually going to a gig. Yeah, we had a blast that show too. That was yeah. that was a, that was a lot of fun. It was one of the the warmer days in recent memory in Maine, and we've had we've had some warm days this this year. But it was uh, it was really hot. Uh, but fortunately, outside on the water, nice little breeze, three eleven in the uh, the ear holes. We were having a good time out there, and uh, we get to run into some uh, some other friends we hadn't seen in a while. And uh, you know, episode seventeen guest. I think if you follow us on socials, you saw the picture of all of us in front of the stage. You know, out of ways. But yeah, that was that was a blast, man. I'm I'm glad to have been at a live show with you guys because it's always fun doing that. And that's one thing in the Northeast, you don't get the opportunity to go to many outdoor shows. And I've, I don't know, I, I have a log of how many shows I've been to, like 500. Not many of them are outside. Most, the large majority are inside. So outside in the main summer is next level. It's, I'm, I'm sure if you're from warm weather, you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But no, it's awesome. If you're on the water, which is where we were, uh, great show. And, you know, I just remember like turning to you guys for some of the deep cuts that I didn't expect, like misdirected mm -hmm. hostility from self-titled album by 311. Yeah. I was like, damn, I never thought I'd hear this live. Sick tight too. Sick tight was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Off from chaos. I can actually vouch for what you're saying too on the out outside show, obviously living here in San Diego now, obviously pretty ideal weather for the most part year round, but being in Maine for an outdoor show kind of tail end of summer, and the humidity had just died off, like literally like that day or the day before. So it was like kind of like a perfect show, perfect weather. First time at that venue and interesting for, for me to see, because I know you guys have been to that venue. No, just me. Kind of never been, really. Never yeah. been. That was a real oh, treat shit. for me. Oh, okay. Uh, one thing I couldn't help geek, at, geek out on with both you guys and uh, our guest Rob was knowing that that's essentially stage one for that venue, that they're eventually going to probably build that out with seats and it's going to kind of go through this you know, crescendo of a full on build out where they'll probably like a VIP section, kind of like what we used to see at, uh, uh, it was called Meadowbrook in Guilford, New Hampshire. They went through those same stages back in 01. It was just an open field with an open stage that it would take down and put together. Uh, Thompson's point, they build that stage for every show, but I think at some point that will be a permanent stage with all sorts of different luxuries at some point. I think you're right. I think that that could definitely be uh, something we'll see there. They've been doing shows there now for, man, back again for probably the better part of a decade, seven, seven years, 14, 2014, I think was the year we oh, yeah. go back and listen to episode 52. That, that question is answered. We talked to Lauren Wayne who books <laughs> it. Uh, yep. she, she did answer that question, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild that it's turned into a pretty awesome summer destination for tours and to have them back this summer, be outside, be at a venue that, uh, you know, I've been to a handful of times, but you guys have never been to, but 
it's just a great spot for a concert. Like it's the sun goes down over the water to the lefty, the stage. And I mean, again, go check our Twitter at Patio Slave and you'll see uh, the picture that is our header is a sh- uh, the sunset at a show at Thompson's Point. So it, it's it's a pretty magical spot if the, if the, the night is right. Yeah, I was going to say that build out would cement their presence for long term, but I don't think they're going anywhere anyway. So, but yeah, kick ass show. Good to see you, Nate. Hopefully you're back. You didn't take your nerdery with you, so I still got your nerdery in the basement, which I'm happy That's about. True. You know, I, I look at that stuff every now and then. You know, Nate's grab bag. It makes its way into our uh, our social media from time to time. Yeah, plus I'm paying rent, right? You guys get to take some free stuff every once in a while if you want. <laughs> every month, get something. We've already, from the, we've already done that. Yeah, there's the less bag. in there now. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was a good time. Like it is definitely a uh, collective of guests between Lauren Wayne and Robert Catelli and obviously us um, all being at that show. Oh, and, P- we- and Peanut. That's and right. Peanut. Don't Holy forget shit. Peanut. Three guests. Yeah. And maybe yeah. Seth. I don't know. Seth from Troll. He might have been Seth there. Seth might have been there. Yeah, I don't know. We never we never could hook up with them if they were there. So, Seth, if you're listening, were you, were you there? Hit us up in the DMs. Yeah. <laughs> it goes down in the DM. No, that was a blast, and uh, I look forward to doing it again uh, next, I probably next summer around the same time when you're back again, Nate, because it seems to be a, a an annual pilgrimage for you. Yeah, summer, not going to lie. I moved because I wasn't a big fan of the winter, so for me, investment-wise, I got to come back in the summer. That's when the shows are. It's when the weather is amazing. It's when Maine really shines. I'll probably come back in the winter at some point, not going to lie. Things are changing in my life that uh, are conducive to coming home for Christmas and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Maine. In fact, I got to say this because I used to, I think we've talked about it on here and I definitely talked about it with my wife, which is I usually plan trips around shows. This one actually happened to work at around that 311 show that wasn't planned. Beautiful. But it did. Yeah, it worked out great. So well, it's a good time of year to be in Maine, late, late August, early September. Right? It's, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. It's September 3rd, what, 2nd? September 2nd that we're recording uh, inside baseball. But I'm wearing a sweatshirt because I think it was like, when the sun went down, it was like 60 degrees out here. I'm like, damn, the summer's over. Shit, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> All right, so that was last week. This is this week, and we got some cool stuff planned for this episode, right? We got yep. a little new music roundup. We haven't done that in a while. It was a yeah. pretty big release. The last couple of weeks, some big releases came out, and we're going to hit on a few of them. Where do we want to start? So when you're hearing this, uh, a lot of these releases came out about a week ago. Uh, the ones that we're going to hit on the most. I th- we've talked about Turnstile a few times because we brought up Turnstile during our best of 2021 so far, just the the EP there that they put out, which was kind of a teaser for the album. The album dropped, right? So it's it's now, if you're hearing this, it's early September. The album's been out for about a week plus. And I mean, damn, it did not disappoint, <laughs> right? Oh, it's awesome. And I know that we heard that, what was like an EP? That had yeah. a few teaser songs, and it had like that whole. And I'm gonna keep quoting this, like the uh, reading rainbow vibes. I didn't realize <laughs> that that was gonna kind of transcend throughout the whole album, which is kind of cool. So it's basically like there's a sequence in and out of all the songs, which I thought was really cool. Speaking of 311, Nick Hexen actually gave them a big uh, prop post, or maybe it was just a story on the album and the band uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe I think it was the week that was I was in Maine. So not to tie it back to 311, but everyone's listening. And yeah, man, I'm a fan. I, I listen to it pretty heavily because it's such an easy album to listen to. It's like a sing-along album. Speaking of live shows, I feel like that would actually be a very good album in its entirety translated to a live show, which I rarely say because you obviously want to hear more than just 
one album, but uh, the way it flows together as a collective unit would be kind of neat to see that in uh, in show. Check Twitter, check YouTube. There's clips from their recent few shows, and it, it's pretty wild. Like, great stage presence. They've always been known for the live show, and I think these songs, from what I heard, translate very well. Yeah, I, I love this record. It's a great record. I think the production is next level, and it's super polished. And for a band like them, it can go one of two ways. It can be like, all right, this is a polished turd, or it can enhance the experience. And I think that's what it does. I don't think it takes away from the essence of them as a band. I think it enhances them. I think a lot of people were like surprised by this record or like I saw some chatter online, like this is the sellout record or whatever. It's like, fuck that. They've been on Roadrunner for a couple albums now. If you look at the trajectory, like this makes sense. Like go back and listen to Time and Space. Go back to listen to Nonstop Feeling where they kind of channeled 311, tying it back to 311 again. It makes sense. Like even on Time and Space, there's that quirky interlude called Bomb, which would fit right on the money with with glow on and mm-hmm. like they've been that band from the hardcore scene for years like pitchfork has always loved them they were on coachella three years ago like this is i don't see any other direction but this album for them and i'm like i don't know them but i'm fucking stoked for them because i, I think this is a good thing i mean you knew them before this right Juan? yeah Yep. Yeah, see, I did not know them very well. I've heard the name. Maybe I'd heard a song. Maybe, you know, you'd mention them. Who knows? There have been some kind of touch points for me, but it's never been something that I've sought out. And then the EP drops, and I listen to a couple songs because a bunch of people have been talking about it, got some buzz, and now I'm a full, full-fledged full fanboy. Like, it brought in people like me who like hardcore in certain instances, but this is, like, what... The production aspect is, is it's definitely a choice, and I think it works really well for them, just like you said. And it's because of things like bringing somebody like me in, maybe even New Date, where mm-hmm. there there are totally aspects of the hardcore scene here, but it's so accessible, it's so you know, it, it's glossy, it's polished, it sounds really nice. And then you get something like that reading rainbow effect that you said, Nate, yeah. uh, and you know, to kind of give you to the into the next song and the next song will kick your ass. Like, especially live, I'm sure. Like, there's some breakdowns that, like, I want to hear, I want to see TLC live so bad. Because <laughs> I want to oh, yeah. I want to just see everybody jumping off the stage. I've seen videos on Twitter. I want to be at that. I want that to be part of my life. And, and whenever they come around, I'm going to try to see it because of it. So, yeah, I think this is a, a great, a great play for them just because it was a next step to get more people on board. And it, it I don't think they lose who they are because of it. Cause I've gone back and listened to some of the older stuff since. And I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I can see where, how they got here. And I'm glad they did because it brought me in. I love your assessment. I just started thinking about it in my head just now. And it makes me, it reminds me of the band uh, Kings of Leon when they came out with only by the night, that was like four albums. in. I say maybe three, I think it was four, but their albums before it are super grassroots, Tennessee rock and roll. Whereas only by the night also is, but it has that kind of mainstream esque, uh, point to it where it brought in people like me. I didn't know about the band beforehand and became a giant fan ever since, but it's like, it's not really a sellout move. It's really just where they are in their career. And if it's label pressure, whatever it is, it's not even a sellout move. It's like, well, A, it's their career. So it's like, if you don't want to move more units, like, well, shit, like that's what they do for a living. Uh, secondly, like, I feel like once you've 
already kind of paid your dues up until that point. Like it's just, it's natural, natural progression. I think you said that to one, like, you know, it's not like selling out. It's really just like, this is where we are. This is the music we're making. This is the age that we're at currently. And we're going to make music that we feel good about. And if it happens to transcend to new people like you and I, uh, Tone, uh, even better. So it's really, you know, it'd be different if it was like a Coldplay shotgun blast, like this is our overproduced album, buy it, buy it, buy it. It's on target ads everywhere. Like that's a different kind of realm of in your face. But this is like, we've already paid our dues. This is where we're at today. If you like it, awesome. If you don't, that's fine too. So I think, yeah, I think this is a perfect album and timing wise, like it's not like they've been working this hard for nothing. Yeah. And the, the parallel that I have in my head is I don't know if you guys know this band, but there was a band of Bridge Nine in the mid two thousands. They were called Ceremony, and each album was kind of a shift, oh, slowly away from really aggressive hardcore punk. Like the singer was fucking a madman. I saw him a bunch of times back in the day, Henry Rollins Jr. And then in the early twenty tens, they moved to Matador Records. Who that's like who Julian Baker's on now, and they put out this like really indie shoegazy album, and it was like totally unexpected and a lot of people that i saw online are comparing that what turnstile did to that and it's just not i don't think it's that big of a leap and i just keep going back on that it's like like you saw it with title fight when they put out hyperview it was like kind of a shoegazy hum worship album which i can see that was a big leap but turnstile i don't see as a big leap i'm kind of surprised that i i mentioned this in text but i didn't really give it uh, it's due to explain it that more uh, there aren't more hardcore bands or bands of this ilk, not necessarily even hardcore, maybe punk, maybe you know adjacent that haven't tried something like this. I feel like they're they're doing it the best, so maybe that's why I, maybe there are bands that are doing it, but that's why I haven't noticed it. But I think like there's some elements of like Duran Duran and like '80s synth pop on here that like oh, just totally yeah. What it's, other hardcore band is going to pull that off? Or what other hardcore punk band or punk band in general is pulling that off? Not many. So maybe that's a testament to them uh, that they're just doing it well. But I, I haven't noticed a lot of it. And I'm, Twan, you'd, you'd be better off explaining that than me. But I don't think a lot of bands do this because maybe it would piss some people, some hardcore enthusiasts that are just like, stay in your lane, I want to do that off. But fuck, man, like why not bend the genre a little bit and do something a little different? Yeah. No, there's, I mean, if you read the blogs and you read Reddit and Twitter and all that shit, no, there's a lot of people like that. It, yeah. It, and I think it's a timeless record. And I think that gets back to the way it was produced. I'm trying to think if anyone's done it like that. I mean, in the mid nineties, Roadrunner had a thing with like Shelter and I don't know if Civ was on Roadrunner or if they were on Rebel. I think I know they were on Revelation, but um, they kind of straddled that line of like hardcore roots but trying to branch out there a little bit i feel like this is the most seamless and even mm -hmm. when you add in that synth you know the synth pop or whatever you want to call it it still works but cool record cool fucking record very cool record yeah yeah all right there's another one there's one that we've talked about in the past too uh the halsey uh with nine inch nails backing her record uh if i can't have love i want power i believe is the name of it love the yep. title love the title yeah. and i mean i've been a fan of halsey anyway fairly recently over the last few years just i find her interesting i think she doesn't just fall into the, the pop star aesthetic she like tries to change things a little bit and put out a little more thoughtful music than just here's some saccharine deal with it 
And uh, this is obviously right up that alley. It's let's take a chance. Let's do something different. Let's collaborate with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and, and make a darker, but still with some pop sensibility record. And fuck if she didn't knock it out of the park. Oh, 100%. And for me, I'm a late bloomer on, on Halsey. So for me, anything associated with, uh, with Trent Reznor is kind of like a, a stamp of approval, really. You know, it's like if she's worth collaborating with, it's obviously something worth checking out. So I know that is somewhat sellout for me to say, but at the same time, like, you know, I didn't know her, so it's an extra vouch. And, you know, actually our topic tonight is albums we've never heard. So it kind of goes along with that. Like, you know, this is out there. She's collaborating with a mastermind in the music industry. And his sound is definitely in the background, like straight up on the intro, right? That's like, is it closer that comes to mind? Yeah, there's oh. a couple of those. There's a couple of times where I listen to it. I'm like, oh man, I hear this. This yeah. sounds like a nail song, but yeah. she's, but Halsey's singing over it, which is fucking badass. Yeah, exactly. And the interesting thing is I heard it, but she is obviously so prominent in the songs that it's obviously her album that I almost forgot that he's even in the album or that he's in the background. Like it's, he's so kind of just kind of, molding around her art that I forgot that he was even involved and just realized like, Oh, this is, a, this is an amazing album. And forgot, and then towards the end, I'm like, Oh, actually this is Trent in the back. This is really cool. Which is saying something, right? Cause it means that he's not, it's not a nine inch nails record featuring Halsey. It's actually Halsey featuring Trent. So I think that's pretty rad. Actually, there's a question I had for you guys. Cause you guys are bigger nails and Trent fans than me. I mean, obviously I, I like him and love his stuff, but, so question is, if you didn't know he was involved with this and you put this record on, could you pin it back to him? Like, obviously, it's a darker sound for her from her past material, but could you pin it to Trent, you think, if you didn't know it? I, I think yes. Oh, that's a really good question because I got lost so many times forgetting that he's on the album that I want to say almost – I, I want to say no, actually. First, first instinct, I would say no. I would have well, to I, see it in the credits. And my yes isn't – because I think he dominates the record because he doesn't. She does. Yeah. And her, yeah. her. I completely agree with you, Nate. This is not a Nine Inch Nails fanboy saying, oh, cool, he brought in Halsey and, and put her together. This No, no. She, she's she been, I liked her stuff before. I like Manic that came out a couple of years ago has some really, really good songs on it. And that that was her. So, uh, and we talked about her last summer with the MGK record because yep. she was on a song with MGK. Yep. And we were like, damn, I would take a whole album of, of Halsey doing pop punk songs. And oh, then yeah. when this dropped, I remember texting you guys saying, damn, I didn't, I thought I wanted a, a pop punk record with Halsey right. as a front person, but no, I just want her over this piano from the first track. That is a fucking vibe. And it, it really, the yeah. whole record is like that. And it doesn't disappoint. So she, she is very multifaceted and can kind of fit in whatever, you know, chameleon type lane she needs to, because she's talented. You made a point that, you feel like she took a risk with this album and I totally agree. So I, I listened to this album and it wasn't like a headphones on just listening to it. It was kind of in the background. So maybe if I would, I'd feel differently if I heard it again, but I didn't hear an obvious single. I don't even know. Is there a single off this, which is like, that's, that's a, for an artist, her of her stature, that's fucking rare. Like there's typically a obvious single and I don't, I didn't hear one. Apple music thinks, they, you know, they star a couple of them. Yep. Bells in Santa Fe, the tradition, the first two songs, the tradition and Bells in Santa Fe, and then Lilith, and then I'm not a woman, I'm a god. I would imagine I'm not a woman, I'm a god because the video for it would be the single. I say in quotation marks. That's a catchy as hell song, by the way, too. Like, yeah, yeah. that's that's like a highlight for me as far as uh, Halsey songs go. Period. 
Wow, that just made me think now that maybe it's the death to the single. Like you just don't need one anymore because it's just not something that's really needed. Like radios, terrestrial radio is essentially dying. So maybe you need a single for Sirius XM, but not even, right? You just play a deep cut. You so. don't need singles. You don't need release dates. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm jamming out ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, you, It probably makes more sense for a, a bigger artist to have a single just because it'll get played on radio. But I'm not sure what what on this gets played on a pop radio station because right. it is definitely darker. It's definitely got some different, you know, different than pop music. Like I said, saccharine vibes to it. It's, it's way more PG 13 R versus that stuff. So, yeah. You know how I know she's kind of universally accepted. How Instagram vinyl nerds, even people that collect Metallica records that collect turnstile records, like, I've seen a ton of vinyl posts of this album from accounts that wouldn't collect a pink record. I'm not comparing right. Halsey to pink, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Or a Taylor Swift record. Right. As And she she took a, a chance and went a little more folky with her stuff last summer. And, and we've, we've talked about her and like that stuff too. But you're right. Like they're not going out and grabbing that. They might be getting the CD because it's at the counter and it's right. signed. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, inside joke for you conspiracy nerds. Go back and listen to, I don't know, what episode 65, maybe? Ooh, I'm, che- I'm checking now. No, nope, I'm sorry. I'll put money on. I'm going to put money on it. No. Fuck. I'm wrong. 69. Yeah. Uh, 69. damn. <laughs> Just lost the bet. Shit to yourself. <laughs> but yeah, damn good record. Uh, I will probably listen to it again when we're done tonight. Just I've listened to it probably the most of these records um, that we've talked about today. And the next one that we're going to talk about is just too long to listen to in one sitting. So that's probably why. <laughs> one last comment on Halsey is uh, not only did she take a chance with the music, but the album cover too. And I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm going to yeah. let you, the artwork, you as a listener, go check it out. Yep. Yep. It's out there. It's out there. It's out there. Good call. <laughs> so we have one more uh, that, as I hinted at, was what? Almost two hours long with a couple of second, like a, different versions of tracks on it. And that's probably why, but Kanye Donda Donda dropped what Saturday yep. or overnight Friday last week. Yeah. Clocking in at an hour and 48 minutes. So I'm a big, as we've talked about on here before, I like value when it comes to buying albums, especially as a kid. So an hour and 48 minutes, I'm, I don't even know how that's possible to get away with that, but Kanye has got some, some power in the industry. He's officially a billionaire, so he can kind of do whatever the hell he wants, I guess. But Nate, would would it be value though? Because that's double album territory. You're you're, you're paying nineteen ninety nine for this back yeah. in the day, so maybe it's not value. I know if it yeah if it's a double album, yeah it's that thick jewel case that doesn't fit anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I have mixed thoughts, but at the same time, like I haven't really listened to Kanye in depth in in quite a while. I think I want to say since eight eight No, Twisted Fantasy. I think is the last time I like really paid attention to what he was doing. Hmm. And kind of fell off a little bit. I was, I don't know. I think I was confused <laughs> on the album. That there was a lot of tracks that it would seem to kind of, I mean, there's obviously a lot of repetitory, especially the first track, right? Donda, 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 Donda. I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to figure out Kanye West. So this is another confusing throw me for a loop album by Kanye West. And uh, like you said, I had a hard time getting through the whole album just based on the length, which is unlike me, but um, I've also been kind of distant on his music for the most part for the last five or six years. So I don't know. What do you guys think? I want to talk about Kanye, but I don't want to get 
too in depth because I am going to tease that we we may be doing a Kanye episode in the not too distant future with a guest that may or may not also be putting out a double album. Weird, I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, there there's some Kanye stuff that we're gonna leave on the bone just cause. But I'm with you, Nate. It's it's similar to his last couple of albums. There's some like some stuff on here that's really really good, and then there's some stuff on here that's like this needed a little more time in the oven. And then there's mm-hmm. some stuff that I just don't need. And because it's an hour and 44, you're going to get that or whatever, an hour, whatever, 48, you're going to yep. get that. And I, this is, this is a Kanye thing. He puts out great music when he's focused on putting out great music. And I think he was here. I just think he thought everything was great and like needs a check here and there to kind of rein him in and cut some stuff down and make it a little more of a concise album. Cause there is a classic Kanye album in here. It's just yeah. 12 songs and, you know, maybe some rearranging of some of the arrangements, but it's, there's some really good stuff in here. Like the song with uh, the weekend's great. I think it's hurricane. Yep. Hurricane off the grid's great. J I like jail a lot. The yep. first, first real song. Yeah. There's moon's cool. Like there's some, there's some good stuff on here. Uh, it just needs to be a little shorter and less of a run on sentence. Yeah. I think you nailed it. When you have an when you have an album this long, like there's gonna be filler, and you get that with this album. The other thing that I just can't get away from is it's too feature rich. There's too many fucking features, and I don't yeah. know. I know a few of them. Like I remember hearing, um, obviously, I know the weekend, Travis Scott, little babies on there, but there's others I didn't know. And to me, it feels more like a like a project it's not an album it's like kanye west presents or something you know mm-hmm. what i mean like you okay. remember dre yep. did presents the aftermath and he yep. he had that been there done that song it's almost like that it's almost like a label showcase like i feel like where mm-hmm. for like I, I had to like while i was listening to it i had to google like track list with features to understand who I, was on i did it. that too i did the same thing yeah because <laughs> it wasn't on spotify the the right. features it wasn't which was inter- interesting yeah. it's not on apple music either yeah, it's not cohesive. I think if you trim it down, this would be a much better experience, I think, for the listener. But full disclosure, I haven't even listened to the back half of it. I just couldn't <laughs> I just couldn't get there. Yeah. I was gonna say our attention spans have definitely shortened just like everyone else. One thing I gotta say though, and I was completely surprised, especially like you just said, Twan, you couldn't even look it up uh on Spotify, which is where I listened to it, is the Hove. Jay Z came back into the picture, yeah. which it's always kind of nice knowing that they had a little falling out. So Jay-Z and Kanye West back together on this album is good to know that they're patching things up. And uh, it's actually a pretty good track. I mean, anything anything with Jay-Z and Kanye on the same track is is gold. I mean, it's, I don't know. Is Fam- it though? You know, you're familiar. I, I thought that, <laughs> I thought his verse was kind of weak. I did too. Yep. And it, but I mean, watch the throne too, confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's like the bigger story here. Cause that's like the bigger story. that they're verse was again. like, yeah, yeah cooked in an oven it was you know he was nowhere they weren't near each other he just sent the bead and that's true i don't know it's like that uh that drake uh, no the the kanye verse in that drake album where he's jay-z's rapping about cake 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 he raps cake with cake or something it's like oh uh, yeah you're better than this man yeah yeah that's a good point i think it, it was really just a familiar voice like you said all these features that you didn't know it's like oh jay-z i know this guy i know well you hope. perk up right you obviously will perk up with yeah. jay because you know it's jay and it's oh it's yeah. jay-z like this means something yeah but to your point maybe it was forrest or a showcase with all these people like you know 
they're both billionaires at this point. They're just moving units. So, Hey, do you want to do a feature on my album? We'll, we'll sell, sell product. You know, that's really all that matters. So maybe that's where the art's getting a little lost is it's like, so about the money. I'm not trying to shit on Kanye. And like you said, we'll save it, save some meat on the bone for that episode uh, in the future. But it just seems like there's a little bit of disconnect on the art because it's so much about, and you just go to Kanye's Instagram or Twitter and you know, like he's bragging about being a billionaire all the time. It's like, cool, man. Like no one really cares, you know? No, I mean, he's, he's got a guy who, he's a guy who has some demons, right? I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. bipolar. He's, he's got, there's some stuff going on there with him that is, is just, outside of the world of music is uh, why he is who he is. And it makes him musically really good at what he does when he wants to be focused on that. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's just going to be difficult. I don't want to get too obviously in the weeds on what's going on with him mentally, but he's also coming off, you know, a divorce. So you're yeah. going to get long sprawling here are all my feelings. Cause that he's, this is a therapy session for him. I would imagine. So Kanye, I think there's a lot we can dig into, and we're certainly going to, as Tone teased. But one of the narratives around this album was this whole fucking music game of musical chairs that him and Drake were playing with. Like, all right, when's your release date? You you know you you show me your release date, I'll I'll show you mine. And it got us thinking: Do release dates even fucking matter anymore? And what do you think, Nate? Like, do you think release dates matter? in 2021 i definitely do and part of it is what we talked about and i don't know the episode number you might tone is around COVID, especially because people we had talks about oh why are you holding out this album because of covid everyone's listening streaming it really doesn't matter but it actually does in retrospect uh, now that we're you know in september COVID is you know pandemic is still happening but people are out people are buying things the energy is different so us talking about these albums is different. You know, we're more ecstatic about it. We're not trapped. Our personal lives are a lot better than they were back in March of 2020. So I guess that for some kind of context, like I think it matters timing wise. Also dropping an album around Christmas opposed to let's say like March or something or February dead of winter, you know, you're really not shopping as much. Whereas if you're buying an album, I don't know, November for December for Christmas, it's a, it's a gift. So there's different metrics on when you drop the album in terms of sales. And on top of that, what you just said with Drake and uh, Kanye, which is competing release dates where it's like, Oh, if this is going to drop, we're just, there's no way we'll get the number one spot. So we actually should push the release date based on that alone. So between like emotional timing and holidays just like anything else that gets marketed through you know holidays like oh we're going to drop this on halloween for this reason i think it does matter but interestingly enough it doesn't matter at the same time right because it's all for the most part digital so you should just really release things at will if you have the opportunity to do so so i'm a little double-sided on it but ultimately i think it does matter because there's just so much that surrounds that release date based on really marketing efforts at the end of the day so for big artists yeah you think release dates are a good idea? I I think for big artists they be they are a good idea. I think for mm. artists that are going to go out, like you said, and tour, essentially, and 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 use the release date of the album into a a time where they can make maximize their their profits on it, maximize their exposure on it. I think they're still a thing. For even a guy like Kanye, I mean, he hasn't had a release date in how long? 
was the last time he put a record out that had a, a release date? Was yeah. it My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy? It might have been. Well, I mean, they all had them, but it never happened. True. I mean, he. Well, I don't take him saying Donda drops on blah blah blah, and that's what happens. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't take that seriously. But when he was uh, being putting out a record that was, you know, a little more traditional as far as release date goes, it's probably been. 10 years 11 years for him and he's just oh it's gonna come out tomorrow and then i mean he did this with life of pablo and i don't want to get too into the kanye stuff but like he just said here it is and then took it down and then put it back up with different songs or different mixes of it and like that's for a guy like him who's as big as he is he can do that and people and own a weekend i'm kind of surprised he put it out last weekend when Two weekends prior, weekend prior, not as much going on. There was some pretty good music that came out last weekend. We talked about it at the beginning of this episode. So, yeah, for bigger artists, release dates matter. And especially when you're going up against somebody who also is going to control the narrative for a week or longer, depending on how good that record is and what else comes out around it. Uh, You know, Drake being a, a massive name in the rap game and music in general, he drops a record, it's going to make waves on, you know, the, the week after the week after that you don't want to be in the wake of that if you're a smaller band or a smaller artist trying to you know gain some traction because people are just going to be listening to drake or listening to taylor swift or whoever right so for those smaller artists yeah you, maybe you push off and, and if you can find out when a release date is for somebody like drake or taylor swift you you avoid it but uh i, I think for for your big artists it matters for money reasons but it also they can also just do whatever the hell they want people are going to listen yeah this is why i think this podcast works like hearing your perspective because i was kind of all cylinders from the perspective from like a from a numbers perspective i was going to say it doesn't matter right i don't think they matter like before streaming when you had to put cash out the door to buy an album if there's two big albums you might just select one of them where in this day and age, there's enough, for a lot of people, there's enough bandwidth in the day where if both Kanye and Drake drop an album, I'll probably listen to them in, you know, in a weekend. But I won't listen to them as much. And that's what I forgot about. Where now it's all about volume of streams. And that's, that's the key. It's like, yeah, you, want to av- you definitely want to avoid the Drake weekend if you're a rapper or even pop music. So I'm backpedaling what I was kind of thinking through in my head. And then from an artist like ego perspective to get the number one spot, hundred percent they matter. You're not you're gonna stay right away from, you know, one of these big boys putting out an album. You want that number one spot. Now, what does the number one spot get you outside of the fact that you streamed, you know, more of your songs were streamed? I don't know. It's it's more uh you know, it's like a resume builder, I guess. But for a smaller artist who's not competing with some of these big boys, it's less important, I think like the actual specific release date. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that matters, but for the big boys, yeah, you, you probably want to stay away from a Drake release weekend, which honestly, I feel like that's what he did with this, where it was like, all right, I'm going to bait this release and then just drop it to avoid any risk of being beaten by Drake, which (sighs) they're Titans. I don't know how that would have gone. Well, he, he did it with 50 cent. Remember? And he, (laughs) he destroyed him. (laughs) Oh yeah, fifty cent. Yeah, that. Uh, like pretty much ended Fifty's career. Like he has been ir- irrelevant musically since then. Yeah, and he went I, bankrupt, right? Allegedly. Now he's an actor, though. So like, good on Fifty. We we like Fifty. We're just saying, like, 
kind of was like, all right, yeah, I'll go toe to toe with you. And, and 50 was like, let's do it. And that was the end of 57. <laughs> exactly. It's like a celebrity death match. Yeah. I think that it's interesting. I think the only reason this is such a unique question really states matter is because for me personally, just thinking about through the pandemic is the connotation around the release date. Let's say we'll take the pandemic out of the picture completely. If you drop an album around Halloween, it'll always have that those memories around Halloween because you listen to the album at that time. And it, whether it's positive or negative, it'll be tied to that. So if it's negative, you might kind of shelve that album for that reason, even if it's a really good album. And I even did it during COVID. Like there's albums that dropped during COVID that I'm like, I should revisit that, that album. Um, and I don't. And I think it's because it's, you know, subliminally like, ah, that was a really shitty time. Uh, even though it's a really fucking great album. Um, and it's unfortunate. So like I said, pandemic aside, even though I use it as another example, there are certain times in my life where albums drop that I think are really good albums, but I literally never visit them based around that. And I don't think it's on purpose. It's literally just the timing where it dropped. So, and not that, you know, artists have any control over your personal life or what's going on, but ultimately, like if you drop an album around Christmas or some kind of like happy time especially summer i think all bands would prefer to release their albums in the summer just because that's when everyone's kind of doing stuff and everyone's in a good mood but 311 it's no yeah. accident yeah. they put out their albums every year every year in the summer oh totally yeah you drop an album in june and bam tour summer tour we're outside everybody's having a good time it's just good vibes all around yep yeah what do you guys think? If you not you guys in general, but listeners out there, yeah. hit us up. Let us know what you guys think about this because I I wonder, like I could be talked into both sides of this, depending on the yep. the band, depending on the type of music, depending on all of these things. Like I think an indie label, a band that's smaller that's like, Yeah, this is what we can actually print the records and send the records in the mail to the, our fans that actually give a shit about buying physical media. Yeah, the release date matters. <laughs> so you could talk me into all of it. But yeah, if you guys you guys have thoughts, hit us up podcast at gmail.com or at podioslave on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok even uh, in the DMs if you want. Yeah, I mean, just even just you two, the unique perspective that I did not think of was made this super fun. All right, boys, we are going to get into... Um, mini, a mini segment. The mini segment, which is... Classic albums that we've never listened to or given the time of day, right? That's the gist of it. Yep. Who's first? Yeah. We're each going to do one, right? We're going to, because we, Tuan and I, before we, we came on tonight, kind of talked a little bit about we each had one that yeah, we'll, we'll save for another time, which we'll explain at the end. But one each, right? Yeah, one of many. I probably have a lot, actually, considering all the recommendations oh, that me I've too. had yeah. just on this podcast. <laughs> Well, not all of them are classics. They're just ones that we like. Uh, classic yeah. albums are like albums that were maybe widely considered to be, uh, you know, big, commercially successful, critically acclaimed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'll lead off. We did a okay. post about the Black album, Metallica, yep. a couple weeks back. I I know the singles. I have never listened to that album. Holy shit. Hot take. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Never. Never. I, I mean, I know, I know the singles. And I can say that about a lot of Metallica records, but... Uh, yeah, like I know Enter Sandman. I know, you know, uh, it's, it's, I know who Metallica is. They are obviously very, very, very well known as a band. We've talked about them numerous times on this, this podcast, uh, fairly recently as well. But yeah, um, I know Enter Sandman, The Un Sabatru, The Unforgiven, wherever I may roam. Like I know, I know the songs Nothing that else were matters played for sure. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. 
but I've never listened to it front to back. And that's probably it's it's obviously a fault of mine. And I, I like Metallica less than you guys do probably, but I don't dislike the band. It's not like I am anti Metallica or what they stand for, but I mean Lars can be a dick, but it is what it is. But yeah, never never listened to that record front to back and and I will now because we're talking about it and I'll probably get shamed <laughs> into it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a classic album that just turned what thirty the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we posted about it. Thirty years old. I have only heard the singles. Sorry, guys. Sorry, world. Well, when you said Lars is a douche, so you know, I had to, I have to ask: Is that part of the reason? Do you think? Because I obviously we all grew up in the era of Lars Ulrich suing Napster, and so many of our age group. We're like, yeah, fuck Metallica in a time where it was probably the time to get into Metallica as a, I don't know, 15, 16 year old. True. Is that, do you think that's part of it or? That's a great point. And honestly, he probably gets a bad rap. Like he is seeing this world where his music is being ripped off from him and they're seeing no money for it when people could be out buying the record at their record stores, CD stores, whatever. And people are, like you and me are downloading, you know, Enter Sandman for our football CD mix in 2000. And he's like, fuck, what the fuck? These kids are stealing money from me. I I, I get it. I, I, I see that side of it from him, but he does, he did get painted as, as kind of a dick and, and that's how we ended up here. But yeah, that might've been part of it. It could have been, but I, I listened to him before that. I, I don't dislike the band. It's never been a, I don't like Metallica. So fuck that record, but that could be a little piece subliminally. So I'm going to, quick tangent here and bring it back home for us say we only released our podcast behind a paywall but we knew there was a pocket of people that were getting their hands on it would we care for free would we care i don't think so but that's a hard question to ask because we're part of that generation right (laughs) Right. yeah (laughs) yeah i would want to know why they were doing it that way and if they cared that much why wouldn't they want to be part of the yeah um, paywall ecosystem, but at the same time, this is a labor of love. Like we've made right. zero dollars on this because we love doing it. So we've made negative. I'd probably be like, cool, more people. Yeah, we're, we're in the hole. We're in the red a little bit, guys. So if you want to hit us up, I'll make the Patreon at some point. <laughs> but we have I go on Good Pods, right? Well, you could you could tip us on GoodPods. Uh, HK at, at Good Pods, I think is the Twitter. But yeah, if you if you listen to podcasts through that, if you're listening to us on Good Pods, t- give leave us a tip. I was a late bloomer to this album, which I guess in the context of like my age, I wasn't, but I, it's interesting. I bought Injustice for All and the Black Album on tape in the mid 2000s. And I know that because Nate, when you uh, lived in Portland, I was using my mom's minivan for years, for for a few years, like in college when I was home. After the hog? After the hog. After the Ford Escort. This was a Dodge Caravan, and it had a tape player in it. And I would play Injustice for All and the Black Album. And those are the two albums that I really, like, I really, really know. Like, for this segment, I could probably throw Master of Puppets on as, like, a classic that I've given some time, but not a true, true front-to-back listen. Like, I know songs, but... Yeah, I think this is great. I mean, it's often referred to as their like sellout album, whatever. But I mean, it's just great. I I guess if you were compared it to the first album, you know, Enter Sandman's more of a poppy song, whatever. If if that's your thought, I think it's a fantastic album. It's definitely worth a front to back listen. You've probably heard half the songs anyway. True, but I mean, damn, 
how did I get away with not ever listening to that record? <laughs> I know still is the, is the real thing. Like up yeah. until this point. Yeah. For me, like, I mean, for full disclosure, I was part of that list that got banned on Napster. So I got kicked off Napster from Lars. So that sucked. Uh, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Explain yeah, yeah. yourself. You got kicked off a of Napster. How do you get kicked got, off a of Napster? I got, I got banned from Shadow Lost. Shadow <laughs> I guess uh, I got a band from Lars on Napster or from Metallica's management. Well, did Lars send you a cease and desist? No, how it works is basically your, uh, your membership to Napster essentially just froze. Like you couldn't download anything anymore. So the trick was to download things misspelled and you were able to kind of get away with it that way. So Metallica could be spelled with like numbers and stuff like that, but you couldn't actually search for the actual song correctly, which is really unique. But, um, yeah, so I had so that's why I asked you that question earlier because I had to chip my shoulder about that too. But but because I saw Metallica at Woodstock and I again at Summer Sanitarium, seeing them live, I became a fan almost because I saw them live. So I collected all their albums. My brother actually bought me Kill 'Em All as my first album from Metallica. Nice. But had it not been to see, seeing them live, I probably would have been in your boat subliminally, like you said, pissed at Lars, like fuck these guys. But because I saw them live, I became a full-on fan and listened to this album and all their albums and become, you know, huge fan of the band, still am today. And uh, like you said, that Black album, I guess You're Right, Twan is kind of considered their sellout album, but man, it's fucking bonafide, great front-to-back album. So the live transition for me is always why I become a fan. It's like, all right, press, whatever the connotation of the album is or whatever, or the, the band or the band members, seeing the band live is what kind of makes me go from casual to full-on fan so that's why i was able to grasp them despite being literally banned from the peer-to-peer network back in 99 sean parker shows up at your house rapping on your door (laughs) exactly well as we say you get nerd homework i do yeah Yeah, that's the best part is this this segment is lends itself to nerd homework every time every time can i go next yeah go for it so I'm going to expose myself a little bit. And I think like in the grand scheme of music, it's not like a big exposure, but I think for you guys, you'll probably be surprised. I've heard two songs in my life by this band. And those two songs are Race for the Prize and Do You Realize? Oh, wow. Do you know the band? Flaming Lips? Yes, Flaming Lips, yep. So I'm going to put it to vote. Are we going to talk about Soft Bulletin or Yoshimi right now? Oh, man. Yoshimi, I hope. Nate, you pick. What's your vote? Yeah, yeah, Yoshimi as well. Okay. So I've never I I've only heard Do You Realize. I've heard two songs by this band. It's a house band for you guys. Yeah. I just it's not that I never got it. Like it wasn't even that. It was like this band's cool. I just never took that step. Mm-hmm. I never took it. So like sell them to me. Give me an elevator pitch. Sell Flame and we'll probably do this as a segment at some point, but like Hamster yeah. Ball, bro. Hamster Sell ball. Yoshimi battles the pink robots to me. Uh Fight Test, great song. Twan, remember the show Three South on MTV Two? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? You you've heard two songs off this record because their theme song was Fight Test by the Flaming Lips. No way. I didn't Yes, sir. How didn't I know? There's a nerd tidbit for all you. <laughs> what the all fuck you is Three South? No. Yeah, Three South was a short-lived animated series on MTV or MTV2 in the 2002 range. Uh, and we stumbled upon it jokingly as, uh, you know, seniors in high school and thought it was stupid and funny. And it was both stupid <laughs> and funny. And uh, yeah, their theme song was Fight Test by Flaming Lips. So I've heard three songs. And Fight Test was off Yoshimi or no? Yep. 
first song on the record. Do you want me to give the pitch, Nate? I'll give the pitch. So I I liked this record before I saw them live. And like Nate says, seeing a, a great band live do their thing and like crush it makes you want to listen to more of them and find out more about them. This band, this is what happened to me. I, I liked some stuff. I'd heard Do You Realize, I'd heard uh, Fight Test, I'd heard a couple other songs by them over the years, and then saw them live about 10 years ago with Nate and, our, our again, our episode, episode 17 guest, Rob, down in Boston, and got to meet them, and they were really cool, uh, which also helped, and they just put on a fucking amazing show. They opened the show with Wayne getting in a hamster ball and riding out on top of people. And just like riding around the crowd in this hamster ball and like going from one spot and like standing up. And I mean, go to our YouTube page. There is a video of him over the top of me and my brother at the state theater doing the hands up in the air place going crazy just from that's what they do live. So uh, that helped certainly. But that record uh, in the morning, the magicians, Nate, that song's fucking awesome. Uh, Yeah. Do you realize it's great live? I mean, they drop confetti and balloons and they it's, Having seen them live obviously changes the perspective of the band. They they put on such an epic, epic show. Man, yeah. Go ahead, Nate. What do you got? Yeah, Selling Point. It's a good way to kind of texturize the album because it is definitely something that you have to embrace, almost like a full-on deathcore metal album. Like you're like you're gonna be going on a full-on trip. And when I first saw the album cover, I was already kind of perplexed by the yeah, artwork. I could see that. Right. I didn't. I definitely didn't seek out this band on my own. It was introduced to me by people that were into that kind of trippy, like Ween and Flaming Lips and like yeah. that whole scene, which I wasn't into. So I was like, "What is this? I don't get it. I'm not that kind of person. I, I don't trip ass on acid every day. Like that's just not my thing." They did roll through Portland. I didn't make the show, but the album was handed to me in case I did make it to the gig as almost like a preparation. I was like, "All right, I'll check it out." So I threw it on. And listen to it front to back, which is, you know, on a CD, you can do that, right? Kind of like a vinyl record. This is circa 2002, I think it was. So uh, this album had just dropped. The show was at the State Theater, and I didn't make it to the show, unfortunately, at the time. But I really liked the album a lot, and I was, it was really captured me uh, at the moment, just because it was like a, f- like a completely different genre, kind of like the some of the music that you've brought to the table on this podcast, Anthony, like wow, I don't know this, but I think I like it. Like, I think this is something I can get into. And it's not even like a scene I ever thought I would fully understand and definitely don't identify with it if I have to say it in a way of like, I wear this kind of t-shirt and not that kind of t-shirt. But um, I loved it. I fell in love with the band as soon as I spun that record and have been a fan ever since. Seeing them, like you said, Tuan, definitely changed my fandom from like base level to like huge fan. And really because of uh, Wayne, the singer, is a huge music fan and the way he talks about music i really like uh kind of um leveled with him on which is like music is this experience it's this way of life it's this appreciation it's a way to really be happy about everything and every moment of every day because life's beautiful and music is an expression of of how fortunate we are to be alive and i was like oh man i've always been very keen on expression especially in in a positive manner and that was like something i really identified with at the time and i was like oh god damn this is this is sweet even if i'm not you know tripping balls while listening (laughs) to this music it was just something like all right this is cool like it's a different way to express uh happiness and and expression so um yeah to sell it uh, basically is it's an it's a whole different element it's a very psychedelic type weird super strange type 
trip that you're on basically you feel like you're kind of on drugs listening to the music to be completely transparent but uh been a fan ever since great live show great live show great great live show but basically it's a it's a different realm like you're like okay i'm gonna listen to a death metal album or i'm gonna just or am i gonna listen to this full-on psychedelic rock album but it's beautiful music and uh it's just not you know your normal rock and roll album it's uh basically a concept album there's nobody like them yeah yeah, there's there's nobody like them. Uh, a quick little tangent. We talked about that show. We saw him in Boston. I think it was the second time I had seen him. I think Nate probably second or third for you as well. Mm. We had bought Rob, our, our buddy, tickets for his birthday in July of I don't know 2011, I think. And we get to the show, and Rob had like pulled a couple strings and was like, "Oh man, like they hooked us up with better seats, so we sold the tickets we bought for Rob out front of the show." And then we're like talking to some people and Rob's like, all right, they said to kind of go over to the right side of the stage. This is early before the, the opener had even gone on. I'm like, go hang out over there. And then we are hanging out there. And then the drummer of the band comes out and just says, Hey, yeah, come on, come on back guys. We go all back. We hang out with the whole band. We're sitting in the, the dressing room that they're hanging out in. And Wayne's like, yeah. Oh, you guys are from Portland. We're playing there in October. This is July, and we're like, "You are like it hadn't been not, it hadn't been announced yet." <laughs> nice. He broke news to us that they were playing the State Theater in October of that same year, and I was like, "Well, we'll fucking be there." <laughs> this is so that was such a a cool nerd moment that like the band broke news to us backstage at the show we were there to see them at that they were playing our hometown three months later, four months later. It was it was pretty wild. I was so bummed too because I was moving that. Yeah, fall. you moved. Yeah, it's like fuck. Yeah. Well, I got some homework, and I was I was going back and forth between Soft Bullets and, and Yoshimi because I know Yoshimi was like the more uh, quote unquote commercial success album, but if you look at their albums ranked by all critics, whatever, Soft Bulletin is the top one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's one. The, that's the one that put them on the map, right? That that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that album is basically like Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Like they had stuff before that, but that was like, and I think they dropped, yeah, same year, 2002. Yep. It was basically like their mainstream success, even though they're both not really mainstream albums at all. True. Songs for the, yeah. Songs for the Deaf and uh, Yoshimi are not anything close to it. It's something you put on the radio, but they both made it. And they've been a band for years and years. Long time, yeah. Since before, the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, late late 80s. Yep. yep. Good pick, yeah. Juan. Good pick. Yeah, Legacy Band. Yeah, you have some nerd homework as I well. I feel like that's a like late night when you're walking the dog, just like soaking, soaking in like, yep. I don't know the the, the trees and the the sky and just like soaking it yeah, all. Yeah, try try to like you know connect with nature a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> in in one way or another, whether you do it legally or not, that's up to you. Right. No, it's the best kind of music. Well, I mean, look at the album cover. It's like something's yeah. trippy oh, yeah. going yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the the artwork's so classic. Yeah, man. Good call. I have to actually say one thing based on that show in uh, Boston tone is that's actually what I was saying earlier with Thompson's point. I feel like the Bank of America Pavilion, I don't know what it's called now, that's the stages that Thompson's Point's eventually going to get to because they get winter too, but that venue is stationary. The stage is built out. So. Yep. Yep. Big so, tent too, so it can rain. You can still have the show. Yep. Yep. So I think that's where it's going, which is exciting for Portland. It makes it a major market. But um, anyways, that's a little sidebar. That's a call tangent. back to episode 78 earlier this episode, just if you were wondering. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, a little All nerd. Right, Nate, you're stalling. What's your what's your classic album that you've never listened to? Take us home. Right, Let's wrap you, this bad boy. You guys are gonna be surprised. It's Kid Rock Cocky. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say saliva for a second. But... Kid Rock Cocky is the new saliva. No, mine is surprising even for myself because I love this type of music. It's uh Massive Attack Mezzan- Mezzanine, I think that's how you say it. Mm, yep. Yep. Um I know the one single and that's it. And every time I hear that single, I'm like, I'm going to fucking play this album. And I actually almost saw them. I think it was like a two months before the pandemic, like put everything in lockdown. They were playing this album front to back, like four shows in a row in San Diego. I'm like, I know that one song. And sometimes I do this. I know that one song. I'm going to see the show because that's their classic album. And it's probably going to get me into the band. Yep. Didn't show got canceled because of COVID and still haven't listened to it. And the, just that single, I'm like, I love this type of music. Why the fuck haven't I listened to this album? And it's, so yeah, it's ranked one of the best albums of all time, you know, and it's came out in the nineties. So it's a nineties OG, but, uh, for whatever reason, it just, it's on that to do list and just hasn't been spun. Have you guys checked this out? I know the one song, uh, yeah. and now I'm looking it up because I, I can tell you an anecdote about the one song, which you probably also know. Yeah. It was on a very popular TV show on Fox for quite some time as the, uh, theme song. Same of the song, Nate. That's even worse. I, I know the single by hearing it, but I don't know by name. Rising Sun, I think that is it. Uh, yeah. So the the show was the show House. Oh yeah, remember yeah. that show on Fox? Yeah. It was about uh, Hugh Laurie. He was a doctor. He took on crazy cases. They used the song Teardrop, which is I think the song you're talking about, Nate, as their uh, yeah. theme song for for the majority of the show. A couple of different versions of it, but yeah, it was. It was that song that I, I went and looked that up because of it. And I was like, oh, that that's a banger of a of a song to like open a show. Yeah. And like I, I, and that happens to me a lot. Like I'll listen to I'll, I'll, watch, I'll be watching TV with my wife and a song will happen like in the background. I'm like, oh, damn, that's a that's an album or a, or a, a artist that I should know. I'm checking it out. I find out what it is and like download it, and listen to it. And this is one of the first iterations of that for me. Like I needed to know who this was and who they were and like why why this was a uh a banger and who picked that like it always makes you think like somebody decided to put that on the intro like they're a music fan i want to meet that person <laughs> you know what i mean like that's, yeah. that they're, they're people like us so yeah i only know that song though so i'm with you i don't know i don't know much else by them but if there's more like that it's probably worth worth peeping you're right it is a widely widely known record as probably their best record I know nothing about this band outside of the name, which I think everyone's probably heard of the name. I definitely seen the album cover. I would never have guessed Mezzanine was the album cover, but I, I just looked up the, the visual. I've definitely seen it, and I've probably seen it on like Rolling Stone, Top 500 Albums, whatever list. I couldn't yeah. tell you what genre music. I mean, I, I can tell now because I just looked it up, but I couldn't have told you what genre music. Who, like, what world are they in i almost feel like are they in like a blur or like like who's in their realm portishead or something you know bands like that yeah, okay i think so yeah this is homework i know nothing about it in in fact i'd have to look up teardrop to see if i even know it you, yeah, i think you'll you know, know it. it you'll know it yeah 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 i think it's been in multiple movies and yeah like you said tone it just stands out and it kind of captures you but for whatever reason i just never listened to it but i guess i'm, I'm not alone here and timing always matters, right? It dropped on April 20th, 1998. So, like, we were young. We were kids. And it definitely wasn't, like, a mainstream band. Not that we were, we were like, to, oh. We were listening to Limp Bizkit. 
<laughs> yeah, the biscuit. Yeah, biscuit got more attention. But that scene, like you had to look for it, I think, unless you were in Europe or something, or you know, it's considered trip hop or electronica. I definitely was not into that scene, especially then. Even now, like I, you know, seek certain things out, but uh, for the most part, it's something I have to actually dig into this album in particular. So I'm happy that I'm not alone here because uh, I'd feel ashamed. Huge following. Like I, I looked it up, almost 3 million monthly Spotify listeners. Yep. Still crushing it. So that, that tells me they're probably still active. That's a good question. I don't know enough about them. Yeah. I mean, they got to be because the show here that, you know, got canceled. It was four shows back to back playing this album front to back. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. I'm like the one that's going for the single. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you probably would have ended up liking them and been like telling us all about them after the fact. So, oh, yeah, exactly. There is something to be said for seeing a band live and being like converted by it. That, that definitely happens. Yeah, it's the best way to be a band, bandwagon fan. It's like, all right, cool. I saw them live. So now I fully understand that. Or, like I used to say on here, a live album. Like, if you can't go to the show, you get a live album, you kind of get a greatest hits and then also kind of a feel for what they're, I don't know, how they're acting or what they're trying to translate. Nerd homework for all you uh, all you folks out there. If you have never listened to one of these, listen to it. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. If there's an, a classic album that you have on your list that has just never made it for you to like give the time of day, I want to hear that too because like this is a repeatable segment for us. We will definitely do this again. We did it as a mini mini so mini segment tonight because we we had other stuff we wanted to get to from the last few weeks and uh, didn't want to spoil too much of stuff from down the road. But yeah. Hit us up. Let us know the the classic albums that you haven't given the time of day, and uh, we we want to do this again. This will come up again for sure. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like this might be a good spin the wheel type episode in the future. Could be, could be, with another another guest, maybe. Who knows? Oh uh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, no, this has been real. Glad to uh, be doing this again. Thanks for everyone that's listening, and uh, like Tone said, hit us up. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back. We got some cool stuff planned, some guests from all over the map. If you if you like what you've heard to date, you'll love what we got in, in store. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace, potheads.